the Lord called me, I was 15 years old, and about three weeks after that is the first time I was healed. It was actually from uh, what was probably strep throat. And I was going to be hanging out with some of my Christian friends, and I was at church. like, I'm going to church anyways, and I'm going to sing to the Lord anyways, and I felt horrible. And as we're singing in the worship, every, like from my nose down, everything just went numb and then went away. And it was just about three seconds, and I was like, wow, God just touched me. Now I can go this summer. So now I can go and have some fun with my friends. And and coming up to the next one, and this is is kind of how, how things went, and part of the theme here is in repentance. And just about every time that I was healed, God led me to repent of something before the healing came. And I didn't even put the two together necessarily, but one time I used to I used to be very much into martial arts. Um, I'd worked in through quite a bit of things, and God put it on my heart one particular week that He wanted me spending my time doing some other things. Now I was working out with a Christian friend of mine who does it as a ministry, get kids off the street, teach them some stuff, pray with them, and things. I thought it was great, but it wasn't what God called me to do <laughs> with my time. He had other things for me. And uh, so he put it on my heart. It's like, well, I need to do these other things here. I need to get these things ready in an order. And I knew it was on my heart. About a week, two weeks, and then I was working out with a friend of mine. And we're doing a type of martial art where you it's uh, about 20 or 30 minutes, which you throw two kicks, and then he throws two kicks. And you go back and forth, and you get faster and faster. Never touch at all. Absolutely no touching. But it's the condition for going back and forth and things flying at you without freaking out. And, and uh, Well, he thought I was going to kick him, and he threw his knee up, and I snap-kicked his shin, and my left foot went, pop! <laughs> and I just about passed out. And I said, man, I wasn't going to kick you. <laughs> and uh, and he, got, he got scared with what I was. He didn't know what was coming at him. And... Um, uh, and I, I didn't have health insurance at the time. I tightened my boots really tight, went to work, and I worked in a warehouse. And uh, and on a Wednesday, a couple days went by, and I just I didn't want to go to the doctor. I didn't have money for a doctor. I knew I broke something. And I was loading up a truck, and I fi- picked up a unit about uh, 60 pounds, helping load up a truck, and without thinking, just in a rush, I put all weight on my left foot. <laughs> and I heard it again. Pop! It's just in the warehouse over all the machines. And I just about passed out, and I set the machine down. Of course, the machine's valued probably about 60000 bucks. I was like, set it down really carefully and then freak out. And, uh, and I went to church that Wednesday night. We're in a group about this size, and a little gal named Rhonda was uh, prayed as we're going around. So, Matt, he said, Lord, please heal Matt. He doesn't have health insurance. Just be glorified in this. Just going around a circle. And I limped out to the car, <laughs> went to the apartment. And as I opened up the front door and I put my left foot over the threshold, the boot got loose. And I put my foot down and all the swelling and all the pain was completely gone. And, um, and that, was a, that was a blessing for me because, of course, I wouldn't be able to keep working in a warehouse if I had a broken foot either. Uh, it would have been bad for the job. It would have been bad for everything. And, um, um, of course, now that Sunday before, as, we're, as I was leading praise and worship at the church, I was saying, God, I'm sorry I didn't follow instructions. <laughs> you told me that my time was not. See, but that's how grace works, okay? 
grace somehow in a lot of teaching it's this mysterious thing of favor and stuff. Well, really, what grace is the the, the New Testament term is um, is charis, okay, and the gifts of the Spirit are charismata. Okay, so somehow this became well, how this became favor and this became gifts, or this is favor and this is power. Somehow things, you see what I'm saying? These say you kind of got disconnected. Um, uh, where the, the, the verse that says that Jesus grew in the favor of man and God, it's actually charis. He grew in grace. He grew in, in strength and power. And, uh, um, and I think that there's, there's quite a bit of a disconnect that with it. But grace is, is uh, um, yeah, we don't deserve it. I'm not saying we ever deserve it, but... Grace is, is the power for us to stop sinning, is the power for us to serve and love one another, power for us to forgive other people around us, even when they don't deserve it too. That we understand, it's like, okay, I really don't deserve anything either, but we get to give this away. And it's the power of God to do that, right? Or, um, um, or, or in playing football, it amazed me in high school that like, if, I, if I ran my number... And they said, okay, we're playing for, play 45. And I knew just what to run for play 45. And as soon as I turn those steps and I just put my hands out, the ball is just right there. My quarterback can put it right in front of me. So the grace for me was saying, hey, it's there. If, I, if I'm there for it, I get to, if I follow instructions for it, then I'm there to actually get it. Or like uh, Elijah, right? Elijah's told, okay, go up and live in a cave in a mountain. You're going to drink from a stream and the birds are going to bring you bread. And not knowing how long that's going to... We don't know how long he was up there. As far as I know, I don't think the Bible actually says. Does it? Anybody know? I I don't think the Bible actually says. It just says, well, and then when the brook dried up, God said, okay, go down to the valley. (laughs) So we don't know how long it was there. It's like, okay, so no warm showers, no, you know, no real hot meals to speak of, but the brook's there and the bread's there. But here's the thing. If he had rebelled and said, okay... Um, I don't. I think. I think I like the valley right here just fine. I think there's plenty of grace right here. Well, people were dying in the valley. Who knows how many actually died out there because of the famine? Grace for him was in was on the mountain, and that's where it was. So, and not, and we don't see anywhere where he was complaining to the Lord either in Scripture. Oh, this and that, and I'm all alone. It's two years now, Lord. I'm, you know, we don't see that at all. It's like okay. I'm here, the Lord's here, I know that I can call down fire, I know I can. this is where he has me, I still get all my food right here in front of the cave entrance every single day, uh, and that's where grace was. So if he had done something else, he wouldn't have made it, right? Or, uh, or, or, or Jonah, actually I think Jonah's kind of a sad story, because really when it ends, Jonah is in complete rebellion. He goes out there, okay, here's, here's these, these people, they're actually a fish culture. So here he comes. He comes out of a fish, smelling like a fish, probably bleached white. They, they know this from the old uh, maritime days of, you know, the whaling days when somebody got swallowed by one of the whales and they pull him out of there. He's just completely white, just bleached white. Uh, <laughs> so he comes out of there and he's like, okay, now I'm going to sit out here and watch the destruction of God. And he sits out there. It's like, there's no destruction. <laughs> and he just keeps on sitting there. So the first day, God sends a plant over his head. Okay, you know. And God's saying, you know, you brought the word. That's what we need. And God very well could have used him as a, as a prophet to those people who now are repentant before the Lord. 
I mean, the, the whole story could have been very different, more like maybe like like Joseph was to was to Egypt. But no, he he's sitting out there outside, and it's like okay, but I don't like these people. So he's sitting there. So then, so the next day, right, the plant dries up, and here he's completely rebellious, drying and dehydrating out of the desert, and then the story ends. I mean, he could have died out there, and God said, "The grace isn't out there in the desert. It's not there." So to me, I, I read that. I think it's a sad story. It's like, man, that guy. I mean, God used them, yes, but his heart was still so hard that he could have done so much more with them to reach those people. Uh, he could have been their prophet. Who knows what God could have done, right? So, um, so we get we we get that we get that kind of thing. I, I see that, um, you know. So so for me, when I look at this, I see that uh, um, when I don't follow his instructions. And uh, and that's when I'm more liable to get hurt and to stay hurt. Um, so so coming out of that, now to finish the story about my foot, and this is early on when God was teaching me another lesson as well, um, which, uh, th- how many here have ever seen, just before I get into that, ever seen a cat teacher young how to hunt? Anybody ever seen that? I've I've had some you know some barn cats and stuff like that and it's kind of interesting they'll actually take a mouse and they'll break the back legs and then put the mouse in front of the kittens and the kittens are they're kind of afraid of it because it's noisy and, and you know and she won't let the kittens go and she won't let the mouse go it's like this is your time to learn this and uh, and I think in a sense that's what God does with, with us He wants us to understand the authority and the power that we have so that first day. After God healed my foot that Thursday, I was on cloud nine. I thought it was great, man. I was feeling so great. I was working. I was like, man, God heal me. The next day when I woke up, it was even worse. I woke up and I was like, what happened? My foot's all swollen, and it's all. And I'm just like, God, what happened? I know you touched me. I know you. What's what is going on? And um, so I started speaking out against it. I don't receive this because I know it's God's will for me to be healed because I was healed which means I still am. And the more I got talking and actually preaching at myself, about 20 minutes later, foot went down. It's like, praise the Lord, <laughs> Okay, but God was teaching me something. And, uh, um, and when, I, when I pray for people, I try to bring this up too. It's like, look, that kind of thing happens. You've got to learn how to stand, stand on the Word, stand on the authority that we have. Um. So, kind of fast forward a little bit. Um, there's another time. I, I used to have a large Bible study in my house. I had about 120 kids in my house. Yeah, I had, a bunch of them were calling me Pastor Matt before I was 20 years old. <laughs> and, um, uh, uh, and unfortunately, after some time, a wolf came in. And we're, we're all pretty young. We didn't really know how to handle the situation with division. And then I said, hey, you know, can't see this happen here. And some really bad things happened out of that. But it, it really hurt me, and it got to the point where I, I pulled back. I didn't want to serve. I didn't want to. I was like, no, I'm just going to worship you. I'm going to. So in about a year, I was just sort of taken on the sidelines and stuff like that. But then God started talking. He's like, that's enough, Matt. You got to get back to work now. <laughs> and you know, I was a little bit oh, this and that, moping around and feeling sorry. If it's like, you know what? If they came and their eyes were on me, they're still with me. You got to get back to work now. And I, you know, and I wasn't really listening. And then, uh, but after a while, a couple of weeks or so, I started getting this really horrible ear infection. 
I think I was 19, started getting a really bad ear infection. As a matter of fact, I would say, let me see if that's correct. I think it is. I don't think I've ever had an ear infection since that. I never thought about that, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, uh, and I went to went to church on a on a Sunday night, and this guy, redhead guy, Pastor Mark, was speaking. And what's interesting out of this, when I look back, I can almost tell you verbatim that whole sermon front to back today, because every word was like Matt, and I was called to this ministry, Matt. It's like it was like it's like Matt, get back to Matt, get back to work. It was just the whole thing, and it was ta- he was talking about how God called him into ministry and how we all need to look and find these callings and go fulfill what he has to be completely within what he has for us to do and the power of what he has for us to do. And he's just going on. I was like, man, I was so convicted. I was like, okay, God, I'll get back to work. I know you've got me this and this and this. And in a time of prayer, I prayed with somebody. And I didn't talk about my ear at all, but it was ringing. It was really bad shape. And uh, and I just said, you know, God told me to get back to work, and I didn't. And I know exactly what he wants me to do. And uh, and I, I repented. And um, going home, I was, uh, my mom was driving, my sister was in the car, and my my head was throbbing. My heart, I could hear my heart beating in my ear. I couldn't even touch my earlobe. And uh, starting to get dizzy and nauseous. And I was like, I am in bad shape. And I don't know what is going to happen out of this. Because once again, I, mean, I, was, I wasn't making money. didn't have health insurance. And got home and I was just playing my guitar really softly. And uh, and then uh, my mom and sister walked by. I was like, you know, you look just white as a sheet. I was like, I am in so much pain right now. And I was thinking, like, if this goes on, I might have to go to the ER. I don't know. Uh, so, well, we'll pray for you real quick. And they just pray, simple prayer, and they walk off in the kitchen. And it felt like warm oil, water, just poured all over my head like this went numb just about my my neck down and then it went away and three days later i had an opportunity one of the things god convicted me about to record some of my music one of my projects guy called me up had a recording studio hey i need some demo material i'll record your whole project if you let me use your material for my for for demoing my own my own studio whole project done paid for that's you know thirty bucks an hour, four songs. That's uh that's twenty five thirty hours for four. I mean it's a lot of work doing studio time, and I was like, wow. Three days after that, I repented. God healed me. God gave the opportunity. Boom, boom, boom. One thing after another. So staying within the grace, just going through time. And uh, now there's a couple that aren't actually documented, and one that is. What led up to it was. Uh, God was wanting to call me into ministry, and uh, and at the time I had a really good career with a large company, and I had uh, you know stock options and you know uh, a very prestigious position within the company. Um, and before going to work on a Saturday, I read an article written by an evangelist in the ninth in the nineteen forties, and. Uh, um, he was a traveling evangelist and a prophet. Had visions, miracles. I don't remember his name offhand. I try to remember it for years. I don't remember it anymore. Um, 
And through the war years, he had a hard time keeping tires on his car. So he decided to go ahead and start a business, sold the car, went into real estate in just a few years, was making lots of money, had 20 real estate agents working for him up in New York. And uh, But the vision stopped, the miracle stopped, the dream stopped, the words of knowledge stopped. He was dry. And God took him to a scripture, in, in one of Peter's scriptures, and he read it. He said, that's it. I'm selling it all. I'm going back. Sold the business, bought a new car, gave everything away. Went right back into where he's doing, and all immediately doors started open for ministry, and immediately the miracles all started back up again. And I sat there. It was 9:20 on a Saturday morning, and I bawled my eyes out. I wept. I cried my eyes out because I knew I was missing it. Once or twice a year, I'd have a dream, and I don't even know what it was, but I'd wake up crying. So like I missed it. I missed it. I don't even know what I was dreaming. And it was the most horrible feeling. I had no vision, no anything going on. And uh, and I dried off my face and went to work. And uh, the work that I did was so busy, so frantic, that uh, generally when I'd walk up to the door, I'd have 20, 30 people in line already ready there. And we'd open up and then you know I'd have 20 people lined up, taking numbers and helping people out and all kinds of stuff. I walked up this one day for years doing the same thing. There was nobody at the gate. I went up to my position. Half an hour goes by. There's nobody there. This one day, there's nobody there at all. Then this one guy comes in. So I'm helping him out and talking with him. And, and he said, oh, well, yeah, I'm a pastor. This And I was like, oh, man. It's like, dude, I read this article this morning and it messed me up. And I told him about it and he said, you know God's called you in the ministry, right? He called you to get stuff done. And I said, you know, if I do it, my wife's going to leave. And he said, well, I'll be praying for you. And he left. Five minutes later, there comes the crowd. <laughs> Everybody coming in at one time. But about two months after that is when I, maybe, maybe just a few weeks after that, I started getting sick. I started being in tremendous pain from my knees down. And uh, um, eventually they found I had a tumor in one of my feet. And um, and as it went on, the doctors, they didn't want to do surgery. They didn't want to do anything. And they said, well, you just keep doing this. We'll try this. And I was like, you don't understand. The pain's so bad. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm not going to be able to keep working. I will, I will lose my mind before. I mean, I'm trying to hang on to things, but it's... You know, I was coming to the point where several times a day I'd just about pass out. And uh, but with stock options and everything else, I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'll, I'll sell out and I'll go find a doctor and I'll pay for surgery out of my own pocket. And uh, go ahead and shift careers where I just don't have to work on my feet so much. And... Uh, um, so that's what I ended up doing, and I ended up, they, they ended up taking the tumor out. And they said, okay, well, piece of cake, you'll be back on your feet here in two, three weeks. It was easy. Everything was just went on perfectly you know, smooth. And I was like, okay, great. A month later, my foot still ballooned up like a... Two months later, go back to the doctor again. He says, you know, you should have been healed weeks ago, so let's see what else is going on. And so I was like, you know what, you've got psoriasis. 
I had these big white scales on my knees, and and uh, it's like I don't know what you're talking about, man. It's like yeah, you've got psoriasis. So I'm going to send you to an internist to do a bunch of tests. And didn't take 20 minutes. A guy came back in and said, yeah, you've got psoriatic arthritis. You've got damage here, here, all these joints damage. You got the bone scans and. I was like, well, I, I can't have this. I gotta, I gotta feed my kids. And uh, um, so it went on. They gave me some really toxic meds. It just went on, and eventually, eventually, my wife left anyway. So I was all worried about her leaving. She, she left anyways. And then soon after that, just a few weeks, God completely healed it. And I was at a, I was at a, a friend's house at Thanksgiving dinner. And it was one of those days I couldn't even walk around the block. You know, a lot some people walk around the block walking dinner off, and I couldn't. I was like, no, this chair is okay. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> and they came up and they prayed for me. And the next day I woke up. It's like, you know, I think something might have happened. And I didn't get to that point where just like feeling like a, I can almost feel it come over just, just before a... Um, like a, just a rush of swelling and it just about passed out. It, it didn't happen. Second day, didn't happen. So third day, I called up my friends. Like, you know, uh, I think when you prayed for me, something just happened. And uh, But then I went back to the doctor. And actually, I had just moved, so it was a different doctor. But it was documented. They did the bone scans. They did the tests. New doctor. And they looked over the stuff. It's like, you look okay. What do they have you on? Why are they doing that? You look fine. So that was actually very, that was documented. I had a psoriatic arthritis for over five years. And uh, uh, now what God showed me is that he, he, he moved me to, to um, he said, okay, so I took that away, but you're going to have to build up your own strength again. And, uh, and since then I've run marathons, you know, and I love running. It's just like, God, see, I'm running. He healed me. <laughs> see? So, uh um, I love running. Here's last weekend I ran two miles. Um, uh, but once again, God called me to repent. Of what? He called me to get work done again. Which I didn't do. Um, I didn't fear him enough to go do it. And uh, so for me, the fear of the Lord is something very serious. Um, if I'm If I get outside of the grace, I don't want to be outside of the grace again. Not because I think it's God punishing me, but where we have moral darkness in our lives, where there's disobedience in our lives, the enemy has a right to be in darkness. Right? He's been given there. He said, hey, go, you're, you're cursed to go eat the dust of the earth. What are we made out of? So the idea is that when we're in his grace and that close to him, you know, we're just off limits. So the fear of the Lord for me is something I, I speak about. For people who are close to me, I speak about it pretty frequently. And uh, uh, so that's that's pretty serious. Now, since then, I've had a couple of other... Uh, I don't want to spend too much more time on that because I know we're going to have to... Yeah, we're going to have to get get into some of the other things. But since then, I've had some other things. My 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 children, one of my children's had a leg grow out. You've probably heard me talk about it a little bit at church. Um, it actually happened in the front row here at church where he had a leg that was almost half an inch short and we prayed for him and it actually just grew out right in front of our eyes. His foot was about uh, one-third of an inch smaller than the other one and it looked like a balloon, literally. 
just like that. And all the kids were like, wow! And so just all of a sudden, just filled in. So we've seen some really cool things in the family, um, uh, with my parents, with my sister, and the stories just go on and on. So it's almost, it's almost commonplace. But for me, the first thing that I do, if, if, you know, if something were to happen and I'm asking God for healing, the first thing that I do is saying, God, how am I with you? What do I need to work on? I don't make the assumption like Job did, saying, No, I'm fine. I'm always fine. I've never done anything. You know, that's where he went wrong. Not that he was walking in sin. But if you look at the story of Job, when God showed up in the tornado of fire, that's the one thing he said. Where were you? <laughs> where were you when I made the dinosaur? Where were you when I, you know, when I set the sky up and spread out the stars? Where were you? And finally Job was like, okay, yeah, you're God, you're holy, and I'm not. Um, but I, you know, so uh, so I don't go quite so far to say Job was absolutely perfect. He would say that, that you know he, if he had just stepped back and said, well, you know, God is God, I'm a man, and I'll just I'll just sit before Him until He shows me if I have done something to offend Him that He'll show me so I can get something right here. And that might have been enough to close the accusation. Uh, to make the devil's argument even moot. Where God can say, no, look what he's doing. That's, his, that's the step of humility right there. Your argument's moot. You don't get to touch him anymore. Let him go and give it all back. So uh, so, so I don't I don't go quite so far, and I don't think we should go quite so far to do that. And before we go through some of these scriptures, and I know God wants to, he, he put on my heart that he very clearly wants us to cover some things. <clears throat> um, but the Lord will... Uh, um, <clears throat> well, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and launch in here. Uh, so, what, one of the things that God really put on my heart here, He said, "Well, you're going to be giving meat tonight." Now, here's the thing about meat compared with milk. Okay, you can have you can cook a steak in how many different ways, <laughs> and how many people like it rare can't stand it well done. <laughs> Right? That's offensive, right? Okay? That's the whole thing. So if something's offensive here, we can talk about it in Scripture. I'm probably not going to have time to cover it all tonight. And I know this is going to be, this is probably three or four good sermon and teachings all wrapped up I'm going to try to get through. Um, but if you guys want to meet with me, any type of coffee, whatever, I can show my position, I can defend my position with the Bible, with, with the Bible and support that. And we'll go into it. But that's the thing about meat and milk. <laughs> okay? The the grown-up food, it's like, but I don't like broccoli. Right? So we can have that kind of offense kind of stuff. So try to take that with a grain of salt. Like what I'm saying as well is about repentance. Is I'm not saying, I'm absolutely not saying that if we're sick or if we're injured, that it's because we're actually walking in sin. Or if somebody is, it's because they're walking in sin. That is not a scriptural position. And that's that's not what I'm saying. Um, I had, for example, I had a good friend, Pastor Jim, good friend of mine for years, and uh, he was a musician friend of mine. And when he was preaching, then I'd lead praise and worship. And if he wasn't preaching, then he'd lead praise and worship if somebody else were doing something. So we tag team quite a bit. Uh, Pastor Jim had uh, cystic fibrosis. Anybody not know what that is? It's an infection in the light. It's a disease of the lungs where the lungs constantly fill up with fluid. Every day, generally people with CF they die in their 19, in their twenties. They die very young. 
uh, Pastor Jim got saved when he was 28 years old, and he was he, he came from a cult background, so he was very serious about following the Lord. In three years, um, he was pastoring a church, and uh, uh, and he had CF. He had a very expensive machine. He would put on 4 a.m. and get up with his coffee and put a machine, a vest on, that would shake the junk out of his lungs, and uh, and I watched God provide miraculously for Jim um, for many years. And eventually God did take him home, but as far as I know, I think he was 47 or 48 years old when God took him home. Uh, And as far as we know, at least at that time, he was the oldest living CF patient ever pastoring a church and, uh, and and had CF. And I and I saw God miraculously. He 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 quit his job. God miraculously gave him the machine, and then a couple weeks later, miraculously gave him the medicine. Five thousand dollars worth of medicine every month just showed up, and they're like, "How's this happening?" So, like, oh well, there's this new law that came through. It's like, well, this machine isn't mine. He calls up the company. It's like, yeah, this machine, it's not mine. And I mean, granted, I'm using it, but you need you guys need to come and get it at some point. It's like, well, we don't have a record of it. It's like, what? No, but it's no. You guys, it's like, no, that serial number doesn't exist. So, what do you want me to do with it? Well, as far as we know, it's yours. Keep it. <laughs> so, just one thing after another that God would provide. So, um, and now, even though, and, and I, I did some prison ministry at the gym, and you know, and he's he's not he wasn't a big guy. He's maybe five foot like three or four or something like that. And he is, uh, he, we go into like a prison ministry and some of these big guys coming up there and raising their hands. He's praying for them and watching these guys, just healing these guys and watch them fall out in the spirit, you know. It's like, man, you know, and God, God continually used them all through that whole time. But, um, so that's not what I'm saying. What things are that God can provide and he still wins or he can heal and he still wins. And when it's our time to go, it's our time to go anyway. So he still wins with that, okay? Um, uh, so God was saying that we're going to be covering some meat, and um, uh, but first, first we're going to cover some of the basics of the gospel. One of the things, that, a couple, a few of the things that really bother me is that uh, is that the gospel we have so many variants and diluted gospels that float around uh, today in society, and uh, you know we have a prosperity gospel, and. Uh, uh, we have uh, we have kind of a hyper grace gospel that says, oh, it doesn't matter. Or even a gospel that says, okay, just say the magic words and you're all done. We don't talk about the resurrection. We don't talk about the power of resurrection. We don't talk about the lordship of Jesus. Uh, Jesus' gospel he talked about was the kingdom of heaven. And the people who preach the kingdom of heaven have the signs following also. So the scripture is very clear about this. It doesn't seem we hear a whole lot of talk about the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. This is what got Jesus in trouble. This is what got Paul in trouble. <laughs> and uh, and even today, it's offensive. The gospel is going to be offensive. That's the whole point. It's a stumbling block for those people. We either can build something or make something out of it or be offended and reject it. But trying to sugarcoat something into something it's not going to be just for being seeker-sensitive or having some other kind of... Oh, but if we just talk about all the benefits of, you know, it's like, you know, um, are we really going to tell Paul that his life was, was, uh, was, you know, all better off and easier because he was following Jesus? 
Well, the guy was always, half the time, most of the time, he was in prison. He was getting beat up all the time, you know. But for the sake of the gospel, what he received for the relationship with the Lord was worth the sacrifice that he gave. So some people, I've sat down and talked with some guys who came out of the occult and witchcraft and stuff like that. It's like, man, I never had so many troubles when I was, you know, when I was, and now I've got this, then this, and this. And I was like, man, welcome to the front lines. But look what you get out of it is the relationship with God or what you didn't have. So go kick the devil's, go kick his butt. Go get him. You know, it's like, oh, this, you know what? We're at war. Let's not get in this kind of, oh, oh, this is, things are going bad for so-and-so, so that maybe they're doing something wrong. Well, that's the same kind of thing. That's not the gospel of Jesus. He said, you will have troubles. I didn't come to bring priests but a sword. What does that mean? Father against mother, it, it, you know, the different people against, the, you know, that when the gospel comes in through a family, probably everybody in here has stories. They're like, man, I used to be real close to my cousin so-and-so, but now they just don't even talk to me. You know, my, my kids, they don't even talk to me anymore now that God's got my heart. You know? But we're called to love and we're called to serve and continue on in that. And uh, a hyper-grace gospel is a big one for today that we hear a lot about. <clears throat> And that's basically saying that grace, all that it really is, is favor from God, and we can't do anything to deserve it. While that's true, we don't talk about, they don't tend to talk about, about becoming the new creation, walking in the new creation, the power to be the new creation. That's really what grace is. Grace is a teacher. Paul wrote, grace is our teacher. So we, we see that, and not only that, but Jesus talked about this too. He said, hey, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And we hear a lot of this with the hyper-grace. Oh, just say this prayer. Now you are always set. You, this, the security of the believer. We have all these great terms. Did you know that... Uh, let's see, I put it here. Um, James actually wrote... Let's see, did I put it on there? Yeah, James 2, 24, 25. James actually wrote that faith alone doesn't, doesn't save us. He actually said that. And this is one of the things that, that, um, uh, that Martin Luther went off on, right? Through faith alone... You know, just kind of, but he actually just doesn't say that. He says, hey, faith without the works is dead. Because, well, if I think about it, okay, so if I believe that chair is going to hold me up, but I don't just demonstrate my belief in it by go sitting down in it, then I don't have faith that the chair is going to hold me up. But I demonstrate my faith by actually acting on my belief. Right? So we say grace by faith alone. We've got to talk about what faith actually is. It's demonstrating my beliefs, saying, okay. you know, and, and how many, I've got story upon story about how like God with me, he wouldn't reveal much of himself until I believed and acted on that, saying, God, I really do want to know. Then I get to see. Right? And this is the Christian walk. Right? Deep calls unto deep. Amen? Amen. So uh, we can go on that. Uh, oh, did I not put that there? Another good one is um, uh, in the book of Revelation, the letter to Sardis, where Jesus actually says, hey, I'm removing lampstands. I'm blotting names out. And uh, this should be you know, a, a pretty big ground shaker to some of that kind of theology. And he specifically says, because you have not fulfilled your works. Saying, okay, you say you believe, but you're not doing and I don't want to get ahead of myself. We'll see if we can catch up with some of these things there. Uh, pop psychology and pop science is another thing that 
sort of comes in and starts diluting the gospel. We talk about seeker-sensitive churches. And uh, I personally, I would have thought it way, way cool when I was a teenager before God got a hold of me. If I went to some meeting somewhere and I actually saw the power of God, dude, I was just like, don't give me plastic, give me something real. You know, and out of the seeker sensitive, so, oh, you know, I, I really don't care about uh, clicks and things like that back then. I was like, give me something real. Show me something real. I was ready for something real. Um, so, the foundation of, of the true gospel. Does anybody have Hebrews uh, Hebrews chapter 6 handy? Yeah. Hebrews 6 what? Actually, I think it starts with 1 or 2. He says, uh, not coming back again to... Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, with the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. How far do you want me to read? That's good right there. So we see here the basics, the absolute foundation, and this is something I want to try to communicate. Now, Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, and he also talked about the gospel. He said, go preach the gospel of forgiveness and repentance to the whole world. Also in the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to forgive us as we have forgiven other people. Absolute basic to anything. A Christian believer, a Christian, a real believer in the Lord, we've, we've got no place at all, no excuse before God to have unforgiveness and bitterness in our heart. Period. Okay? Period. We have absolutely no place. It's absolute basic. The Lord also had had other parables. We had the parable of the uh, rich man who had the servant, who was the wicked you know, servant, and uh, but the king, he forgave his, this servant. And then the servant's out there beating people up for their stuff, and then he has them arrested again, has him killed and beheaded, and has, all, has the whole family sold off into slavery. Jesus told the story. And the whole point of Okay, the way, the way, we can't have bitterness and unforgiveness there. So his gospel and his commandment, he said, my commandment is that you love one another. Let's get back to love. <laughs> this is the gospel of Jesus. Okay, the kingdom of heaven. Love, forgive everybody. If we have bitterness in our heart, take care of it before the sun goes down. Amen? So the basics, repentance from dead works. Faith towards God, which we talked about. The baptisms, plural. Okay, um, There's a whole study on this, and gosh, it'd be great to cover this some of this sometime, but we have a blood bat- baptism when we get saved. Water, and then spirit baptism. Um, the basics of doctrine, which is what, we've just, uh, what we just covered. And this is another, that we cover the evil of mankind. Okay. Um, some of the pop psychology comes in that says that, okay, mankind is basically good. Okay, Scripture says otherwise. Jesus said, said that, hey, you who are evil know how to good give good gifts to your children. He's talking about us. Above all things, the Bible says that the heart, is, the heart of mankind is evil above all things, deceitful. So, uh, so this is basically we are evil. But 
with the gospel, there's something really to grab a hold of too, is uh, we have something that the prophets in the Old Testament didn't have. All right? Uh, we have something that John the Baptist didn't have. Okay? And that is that we are, are, can be born again into a new creation with a new nature. And this with the authority and the power of the Lord that we can actually be the temple, a walking temples of the Holy Spirit. And once we get a hold of this, a lot of people here, even a lot of Christians, they don't really realize this. We have far much more than Samuel in the Old Testament, than Joshua. They had anointing, but not only do we have anointing, we can walk as new creations every day. Amen? It's something that this is something that, you know, once we, once we grab a hold of this and in walking in maturity with the Lord, uh, in its new creations, we get to see and feel the heart of the Lord for people around us. So, uh, but basically, before that, you know, and I'd say that for myself too, before being saved, I was sin. I was evil, right? I got, I, yeah, I'll say it. <laughs> if I got away with something, I was glad I got away with it. But when God got a hold of me, I became a horrible sinner. <laughs> like, man, it's just not fun anymore, right? So it's just like, man, well, that's just not fun anymore. I think I'm just going to stop doing that, right? So, um, but our nature actually changes. And it doesn't mean that we still have some habits and things God's going to be working us through, but the nature of our own nature actually changes. Laying on of hands, very basic. And the writer of Hebrews brings this up. Jesus when there was lower faith, you see him, the stories as he goes through town to town, there's too many of these references for me to include all this stuff. The stories as you see him going through town to town, if faith was very high in a town, he could just give words. Somebody could come up and say, no, just give me the word, Lord. I know you'll heal my son. He's like three hours away. And he's, on that faith, he was able to do stuff. And in other places where there wasn't much that he could do, he was laying on in hands. That he was laying on and touching people more. So we can see this, and you know, I'd encourage you to, to go through the Gospels and, and take a look at that for yourself. And uh, uh, there are times when you see the street healers. There's several street healers you can look on YouTube and find some videos. Todd White is one of them. Uh, Pete Cabrera is another one. Um, there's another guy too. I can't remember his name, uh, but he, he actually has some interesting videos too. Of he'll pray for somebody for healing. It doesn't happen. It's like, wait a second, wait a second. Are you a Christian? It's like, well, yeah, but I haven't gone for it. Okay, so you're a backslidden Christian. Okay, that's why you didn't get your healing, because you've got to repent. What are you doing? Are you ready to get your life? And he'll bring them through repentance. As a Christian, they wouldn't get it. But their non-believing friend, bang, healed. Okay, we're held to a higher standard once we make those commitments. Um, laying on of hands, resurrection of dead, very basic to Christianity, okay? Uh, we see a lot of the cults don't actually believe this. All right. Jesus literally rose from the dead. When he rose from the dead, he kind of had his Superman powers. He was walking through walls. All right. If if you look at scripture, without destroying the wall, without destroying the wall, <laughs> we look in scripture that the the disciples were so afraid they had the door shut and barred, and Jesus walks right in. Okay, it's it's right here in scripture. Then he says, "Hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm hungry. He got some fish. All right. He's really there, really in person. It had really rose from the dead." Um, when we rise from the dead, the same thing's going to happen. 
surprise, it's scripture. He said it would happen if we believe he rose from the dead, that he's going to raise us from the dead, then that's what he's going to do. <laughs> Resurrection from the dead is very real. And this is very basic. When you, when you get seeing what the cults believe, a lot of them will get shady on this stuff. Well, but he didn't really die. Really? I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you, we see all, all kinds of crazy stories come out of that, and I wish I could go into more. Can I but, one thing? Yeah. I just want to encourage everyone, if you one of the things that people say there's no logic to accepting Christ, there's no logic to the resurrection. But when you look at 1 Corinthians 15, I dare you to go over that because Paul points out if Christ isn't risen from the dead, we're all a bunch of fools is basically what he's saying. Yep. We're all idiots for believing what we believe. And, you know, for me it was, I, I examined the life of the early apostles. And when they were all scattered from Jerusalem in A.D. 70, they went. They never touched one another. They never met with one another. You do a lot of thing, weird things like, they, you know, uh, uh Jim Jones and David Koresh and a lot of things, crazy things because there's peer pressure. Somebody going to drink the Kool-Aid? Yeah, because everybody else is drinking it. Why not? My mother used to say, if all your friends went and jumped off a bridge with you, and I'd say probably. And that was probably the truth when I was young. If they did, I would. But when they were all separated, each one of them went through horrible experiences and gave their lives for Christ. No peer pressure. Because they understood the resurrection. And yet the resurrection is so basic. But it's one of the most important things in our lives. Because that's the evidence that we have of who Jesus is. His resurrection. And we get to be raised from the dead. No other healing is greater than that. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. Um, an eternal judgment. And uh, uh, again, the scriptures do say that everybody is. we're all going to be judged by the words by our words, by our words of Jesus said that himself too. Okay, um, uh, and that's a whole other study in itself. We can talk about our words and what we confess over ourselves. And it's something God brought me through too, and the feelings that He's done in my life. And I wish I had more time to talk. I can go on this stuff for. I mean, so many healings. Mm-hmm. And uh, but one thing is that I wouldn't say, okay, I am sick. I don't even say like, oh, I'm so sick and tired of this and that. You know what? I've just confessed something and prophesied. Something over myself. And we've got to watch our words. The Bible says that it's by our word. We eat the fruit of our words. Our words grow up into, uh, into what is going to be brought back to us. And uh, I, I teach my kids that the more they pray, they give their angels something to do. That they're standing around. Man, I'm so bored. I'm going to go back up to heaven. Man, look at this. Oh, they're watching TV again. You know, it's like you just pray. You pray out loud. You're giving them so you're giving them tools and weapons to go do stuff. It's by those words that we go out. But even by those same words that the enemy can say, "Look, God, He just said this. I'm going to go do something." And if we don't repent from those things, guess what? All right, pretty meaty stuff, isn't it? <laughs> so. Uh, Okay, we'll try to we'll try to get through some of this stuff here because I don't want to have to keep you guys too long. Second uh, uh, Chronicles seven fourteen. I think we all know it pretty well. It's one of the themes here the last last couple of weeks as well. If my people humble themselves and pray, anybody know that one? Yeah. 
let's walk through. I'm going to walk through the whole thing here. Uh, oh, seven, seven, fourteen. So, and my people, on whom my name is called, shall be humbled, and shall pray, and seek my face, and turn back from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Okay, This is talking to the people who are already called by his name. Amen? So, so when we have something, you know, if, if I... If, if I'm going through something, this is exactly what I do. It's like, okay, God, how am I? What am I? I'm not going to go say, I've never done this, Lord. I, you know you know what? <laughs> Where am I with you? What do I owe you in this? I got no problem. I, I tell my kids, it's like, you know, we, we, we like to have a vegetable garden. You know, the thing about having a garden is, if you guys ever have it, right, is uh, you plant your stuff. And the weeds always grow like four or five times faster than the good stuff does, you know. And you can't keep them from start. You can't, you know. Only thing you can do is go out there every day or two and just get them out of the way again. It's like, oh, that one's not supposed to be right. If you if you let that go and keep watering out there, it doesn't take a week or two until your your garden's going to die, right? We can't keep, you know. We still have to deal. Apostle Paul wrote Romans chapter seven. He said. He said, okay, now I know now, because this is after his talk about justification, so we have the baptism of blood, right, and water. Moving into the next one, he goes right on down the list. He says, I know now that I'm not doing what I really want to do, but I'm still doing what I really hate to do, right? Romans chapter 7. So he's talking about, hey, now I have the new nature, so I know I'm different. But now the things that I'm doing, it's not really even me doing them anymore, but it's this sin nature in my flesh that keeps doing it. And uh, you can see he's talking, he's building up to what is the answer, right? Now we've got this new nature, but how do we get to the next step we're doing it? And then he launches right into it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's not stop there, because the next few verses he explains what in Christ Jesus actually is. It's those of us who walk in the Spirit, by the Spirit, who are in Christ Jesus. And he says, if we don't, in the long run, he says that if I don't do the works of the Spirit, but continue on doing the works of the flesh, that I will perish. Right? He says it very, 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 very plainly as he possibly can. So here we are. We humble ourselves. We seek God's face. Turn from our wicked ways, okay? And this is one of the things the Lord really wanted me to talk about. Um, the parable of the sower. And, uh, which is a little bit further down. You see it on uh, Roman numeral 3 uh, at, at C down there. But we see that... Uh, well, let, let's get to this first. <clears throat> Ask, seek, and knock. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago, too. What God was showing me about this, and I was talking to him, I was like, this is pretty cool, but how do we how do we see all this all together? And what the Lord put on my heart, it's like he, <laughs> I was joking, you know, he, he asked me a question. When I ask a question, most of the time I get a question back. <laughs> I always thought that's kind of funny. <laughs> it's like, oh, another question, come on, Lord. <laughs> I can see the disciples saying the same thing, right? Um, but he said, hey, don't you remember what your grandfather told you about knocking? 
And uh, so we're talking ask, seek, and knock. And I knew what he was talking about. My, my grandfather was a was old farm boy. And Sunday afternoons, many Sunday afternoons, I'd go with him down to the store and we'd pick a watermelon for everybody. And we'd knock on the watermelons to get the most watery, juiciest one. And it'd show me, it's like, not that one, not that one, right? It'd show me how to how to pick the best watermelon, the sweetest. And you can tell just by listening to them. And, uh, and that's what he's talking about. So we see a lot of scripture, and we're going to try to apply this into, uh, into, into our own personal lives as well, to talk about land and us, right? And Jesus had the parable of the sower, saying that seed fell in the bad land, on the hard land, on the path, and the birds came and took it away, right? And then seed, uh, seed fell on the shallow ground, the thorns, the thorns grew up and choked it all off. And amongst the rocky ground, sprang up, but didn't get any root, never had any fruit. So only 25% of the, the seed that came actually bore fruit. And uh, I see that these things, they kind of talk about certain things in our life. We see the thorns... They work above the ground, the cares of life coming, the busyness of life coming and choking things off. Well, I'm too busy to go to church. I gotta, I gotta work. I gotta get ready. I gotta do my laundry. I, I'm too busy to to go and serve the Lord. Well, I can't, I can't go to that meeting because I got this going on. I'm too busy. And, uh, um, and the things under the ground, the rocks under the ground. Um, um. The hardness, the hardness of heart that God wants to get out, you know. And I see like around Texas when they have a lot of rocky soil and they want to have some pasture or something set up, they'll take the rocks and they'll set it up around the perimeter. That'll become an old fence for some of these old places. Get them out there and they can actually plant some good ground. They just pull the rocks out there and it becomes the fence. Go and make something out of it. What we see in the Old Testament, they build it up into an altar. Right? Amen? And uh, so, uh, so we see there's a whole lot of these things that God was showing me about uh, about land and work in the land. And uh, I like having land and acreage and animals and stuff. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, well, one is you see that that uh, that that some of those rocks they have to be broken up if we're going to be going down and drilling a well to get a good aquifer and good water. You know, we've got to break down and get through some of those rocks. Break them up. Get them out of the way. <coughs> so, uh, and something here, the Lord was wanting me to talk about, in Roman numeral three, uh, uh, three on, on letter B there. Um, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, he came up with this study about seven mountains of culture. Um I can't remember what the guy's name was offhand. You guys remember? But uh, um, anyways, he talks about the seven mountains of culture and affecting a culture for for the gospel. Well, Tommy Fermi wrote a book about the seven mountains to conquer. She's not from Campus Crusades. Okay. Yeah, as far as what I can tell is that the founder for it actually ended up coming up with that okay. initially. But... Uh, uh, and the mountains of culture is uh, education, media, religion, family, commerce, government, and arts and entertainment. And uh, um, 
as I see this, when I'm cons- when we consider about what where we are with the Lord and how we stand with the Lord. So uh, right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the guy. Um, is that we have these things also in our own hearts, okay? And this is something we're going to start unpacking this a little bit more. And I know we're probably running a little bit late, but let me get through this part here. Um, when Adam and Eve bit the fruit, the promise was that they would learn both good and evil. Okay. Prior to that, they knew only good. Right, but the promise was like, well, you don't have all the knowledge; you need more. So, this will help you. Then you'll get to have the knowledge of both good and evil. Right? Makes sense. So, uh, um, so here's here's how we do that. Let's take education for example. Um, uh, here, here, here's one here's one that really bothers me. Okay, we get even a lot of Christians who think that evolution's actually valid. All right. But the Bible, however, says that there was no sin and death before Adam and Eve bit the fruit. So then we've got a problem because basically they were created about 5,800 years ago, according to Scripture. And the Scripture says prior to 5,800 years ago, nothing died at all. So then we have a problem. Right? So... Oh, I'm just feeling something in the spirit now too. So here's so here's the thing. Now we've got this situation where if we continue on to try to shoehorn this teaching of evolution and what we have in the Bible, the enemy will start to dilute the power of the word in our lives because he's already undermined it and we don't even realize it. Ooh. <laughs> okay, does it make sense? So uh, so therein we've got a bit of a problem, right? And this bothers me so much. I'm a, it, you guys will know, right, right now I'm a software developer. I've stayed with the sciences. I've, uh, I've worked with, um, with lots of doctorates in science. And I rub shoulders with these guys all the time. And I can say for you that all the research and study I did, the Bible is absolutely correct. All of the scientific research, when taken at complete face value, the earth is not any older than 5,800 years old. It's not. Carbon dating is a fraud. It's an absolute fraud. There's something called polystrate fossils, which are fossils that go through all the strata. So here's a fossil of a tree that goes through this strata, and this strata is supposed to be X millions of years old, and obviously the tree didn't keep on growing the whole time. The whole world was just covered by a flood. The whole thing is a complete fraud, completely. And I can talk about this. I can go on it for a long time. I love talking with the college kids about this because it really blows their mind. And uh, uh, But we need to be careful with this because once we actually start adopting some of those things, and for a long time I was a long earth kind of thing, well, we can show this and that. This, uh, and I got to know more about carbon dating and the whole the whole principles behind it and the circular thinking behind it. And everything will build. It's like, wait a minute. The whole thing's a fraud. It is a worse at work on the polystrate fossils. It's like... They're everywhere. Not only that, there's human footprint fossils like at the very base lower level. It's like, well, but they're not... Okay, whole thing's a fraud. (laughs) See, but the enemy, he will love this. Why? Because he says, oh, because you need the knowledge of both good and the world. You're better that way. You see how he takes the mountain? See? 
All right? We do this with everything, okay? Arts and entertainment, another mountain. Oh, but I can be a Christian and I can go and watch this movie or listen to this music or go to that party. Because, you know, it's music, it's arts. I'm just appreciating the art. Knowledge of both good and the world. And it undermines what we have in our life, okay? And what, okay, Joshua and the kings. There's only a couple of really good kings, right? And what they did is they went through on the mountains and all the high places, and they burnt them, they tore them down. We look at Gideon. He goes up there, and they tear down the Ashtoreth idol, which is generally made out of wood, and then wrecks the stone idol to, to, to Baal, builds up a new altar and burns the wood on top of the new altar and is sacrificed to God with the, with the bull. And this is what God wants us to do. This is what repentance is, saying, you know what? Only good here, only holiness here. Let's give this stuff. Um, you know, Apostle Paul wrote uh, that, um, hey, don't be deceived. He only said this a couple times, don't be deceived. So um, He said, hey, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And uh, But we, we get onto that kind of, you know, it's like, oh, but, you know, we a little bit of, you know, a little bit of the, this is good because I'll have this other knowledge that I can add in. It's like, you know what? That's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to get this inside of us. Inside of us, we have these mountains too. Out of the land of our soul, we have these things too. Okay? And whoever takes the high ground, any, any military, anybody study military stuff, you take the high ground, you're going to get the advantage on that battlefield. All right? Because it's the low ground. That's where you have the crops of your soul. That's where, that's where your crops grow. Your crops don't grow up in the mountains. All right, but we see this. We can apply the kings, what the kings did, Joshua, Gideon, all those guys, and uh, and we see the same this the, 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 the same kind of thing that God over and over to those kings said, and this one did evil in the sight of the Lord, but this one here, this one here, he did, he did well. He went through and he tore all that stuff down. He brought people to my holy mountain to worship, one place we should be worshiping. Okay. Mountain religion, one mountain, one place to worship. Everywhere else, submitted to the one mountain. Amen. And this is something where the Holy Spirit is putting on my heart. It's like you are. This is one you better talk about. Don't you? I mean, you can. These other things, fine, but you get to this one. So, uh, um. See, ask, seek, enough. We talked about that. Now, the demoniac in the tombs. Um, you know, we can go through. We we can apply. If you guys just wanted to meditate, we'll have a time of prayer for a minute or so too, and we can consider these other types of mountains and what that actually means to you. We've got, um, you know, we've got laws when it comes to family in this country, completely ungodly. All right. Um, Jesus talked about where it's right to divorce. Uh, you know, in this country, you can do whatever. Not only that, you can have two women marrying or two men marrying each other, that kind of thing too, okay? That's not scriptural. All these things need to come in. Commerce, you know, how are we with our own money? Are we serving the Lord? Is money going to something? Or how about this? This is something God convicted me of when I had 401k. What companies are you invested in, Matt? I don't know. Where's your money going? 
I got to a point where I wanted to, I wanted to find every single company my money was going to. It's like, I don't want to put my money there. And then trying to find a godly 401k, you know, program that I can put my money in. That's, this is something I went through. Um, so Land, when it came to the demoniac, he was chained into the tombs. All right? And I think that it was, I think God brought Jesus to the, to the tombs and to that place for a reason. This would have, most likely would have been where the giants, Goliath's family and things were actually buried. Um, um, so, uh, but again, that we have things there that God wants to heal and heal that land and these different places that we can apply these things inside of us too. The things that happened in the past, the old bones, let's not stay there. Amen? Um, so I think I'll talk a little bit about uh, number five, and we'll just have a time of prayer. Second um, Peter chapter 2. This is something God really wanted me to cover as well. Um, let's see. Peter lists us are a few things that have to be dealt with inside of someone's life before we move into a priestly type ministry with people around us. Uh, I'll, I'll show you what I mean. Um, nope, did I get to Second Peter two? Oh, now I'm thinking I got to the wrong one there. Hold on, let me back up. Yeah, I'm sorry. First, Pe- First Peter chapter 2. So you can cross that out. <clears throat> So Peter writes, he says, Now in laying aside all malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, evil words, five things, as newborn babies desire the pure soul-nourishing milk, that you may grow by it, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. To whom, having drawn near a living stone, indeed having been rejected by men, but chosen by God, precious, you also as living stones being built into a house a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as the saying to me is that before we're, we're able to really be effective as the holy priesthood to people around us, that we've got to deal with these five things. Now when I was meditating on this, it was like, it was like one of those weeks, you guys have that where it's like every time I turned around, Peter chapter 2, it's like, okay, Lord, I'll turn on the TV, Peter chapter 2. All right, what do you want? Turn on the radio. It's you know, it's God just like Matt, go meditate on it, you know. And he wouldn't let you. You ever have those times? It was like every time I turn around, I was like, okay, okay, you're trying to tell me something. I get it. <laughs> Spend some time meditating. And as I was meditating on, the Holy Spirit said this: these address five spiritual 
sicknesses in the spirit of man. And I didn't know what it was. It's like, what? Okay, and it didn't really register what he was saying. So uh, so I, I spent some time just seeking him on it, right? Ask, seek, and knock, and keep on going, right? And uh, and what he was showing me is that um, just as our our body, we have we have senses in our body that our spirit also has senses. I thought this was interesting. Um, uh, the one that immediately kind of stood out for me, evil words. We set aside evil words. Obviously it has to do with our mouth and our sense of taste. But when I was asking the Lord about this, well, your spirit, it gives and it can take. So we can give out from our spirit as well as take. And uh, so that our sense of taste. And um, so, for example, we taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Has to do with His Word. He is the Word, and we taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. And uh, um, uh, or or malice, which I was you get into that. I think it's like, have, have you ever had just a mean, evil look just hang with you? For like all your life, you know, it's like, man, I remember when that teacher gave me a look, and I was nine years old, and whoo, man, I'll never forget that. You know what I'm talking about? That I, I, I know if somebody really hates me, <laughs> right? Well, there's not that kind of a place for the Christian life. When we give, I tell, I tell my kids this: when we look at somebody, we give something to them. Amen. Uh, guile and hypocrisy is hypocrisy. I thought that was interesting. I was seeking the Lord on this one. And um, basically, you know, what the scripture says is that uh, in the end, you know, people tickle itching, itching ears. They hear what things they want to hear, right? Um, and hypocrisy, someone is not doing what they're hearing. Okay? So we're to be called to be not just hearers of the word, but also doers. Amen? So what happens when our sense of balance is off with our hearing? What happens? Right? If we can't stand up and walk, we're down on the belly. Like little babies again. I just want milk to eat, Lord. Milk all the time. I'm just going to put my face in the bowl like a cat. Right? That's not how God called us. Amen? He calls us to be doer of the, doers of the Word. So we hear, we get our, in our balance, we're actually able to stand up and continue on the Christian walk, not crawl. Amen? Right? And, uh, uh, let's see, in God, I know that, uh, in what he'd showed me about, uh, uh, guile was that, like a sense of smell, the way it's kind of a spiritual sense of discernment, but also in something we can give, man, when we're in the spirit, we come in a room, I know the people around, you know, uh, guys that I'd talk to would come out of like a, a cult and stuff like that, they talk about just recognizing Christians, they could be like, man, that one's different. I was reading a book, this one guy, he would go follow, he'd see, oh, that one's a real one there. He was in the occult, and he'd just follow around the store, just because they're different. Because it felt good around them. You know, and sometimes he couldn't even look them in the face, because it felt like they're just shining too much. It hurt his eyes. You have to look away. <laughs> just follow around them. But, um, um, you know, but it's, that's, you know, it's what they say. You can take it or leave it. Um, but you see, but God was showing me these are illnesses, and they didn't say what is interesting to me. He didn't say to, my, to me that it was like it was some kind of a like a sin or something. But these are sicknesses that that he asks us to be healed from. 
And healing can be just as simple as healing in the body, as anything else, healing in the soul. And that's something that God wanted me to bring up tonight. We can talk about that. But in my experience, emotional healing is, it could be just like that, just like a physical healing can. And a spiritual healing, look, it's all the same to the Lord. You know, we can talk, oh, but this and that, it just takes time. I'm just going to keep mourning. It's like, you don't have to. We can give it up. Um, now, about uh, about fasting, about fasting and praying. Uh, go ahead and bring this up. The the uh, the one time that that the disciples they couldn't cast a demon out of somebody, and he brought they brought them up to Jesus, and Jesus just like, okay, get out of here, all right, <laughs> all done. And so, why can we do it? And he said, well, this kind only comes up by fasting and prayer. Okay, the whole point is that we need the fasting and prayer for us. Okay? Because that's how God is going to show us what we need. Okay? It's saying, like, hey God, where am I? How am I doing? Alright? A good, a good clue to this is when Jesus went to the demoniac and legion, and, and we can look, I don't, we don't have time to cover that, but the demoniac says, what do I have in common with you? Okay? What does that really mean? He's saying, whoa, okay, I've got 6,000 strong here and I can't find any in my members who have anything in common with you, so you have dominion over me. Okay? You guys following that? Okay. So the stronghold that the, per, the, the demonic had that the disciples couldn't do anything with had a stronghold that they were still dealing with themselves. We get through that by fasting and prayer for us to get dealing with inside of us so we can go minister to somebody else. Amen? And that, when we don't have anything common, then we can take dominion with the kingdom of God, with the kingdom of heaven, over that situation. Amen? I can feel something in the spirit, so I'm just trying to let it sink in. <laughs> but anybody, you want to talk any time, I know this is a lot of things to cover in a short period of time. So, uh, but uh, but God showed me that He wanted us to have a, a couple of minutes of prayer. Um, we can cover that, and if we have any Q and A, then we'll go and launch into it. Um, let's go before the Lord. And uh, but I ask you guys first to consider the the mountains in your own hearts. What needs to be surrendered to the Lord? Handling family, handling finances, arts, entertainment. What's coming inside of your mind in your home um, and these things were really when God was bringing this stuff to me I spent a lot of time saying oh God I just didn't realize until you showed me but Father we come before you and uh, we know that you are holy you are above all things and we ask you to forgive us as we have forgiven others release all bitterness and unforgiveness right now to you Thank you, Lord. And I pray, God, that you're going to show us right now what it, what mountains in our life that need to be taken for you and the altars torn down. Where have we taken the fruit 
believe the lie. Well, as the Lord shows that to you, just deal with it in your heart. Thank you, Father. And Lord, I ask that uh, that whatever wounds in the spirit, the sicknesses in the spirit that need to be dealt with in our own human spirits, God, that right now, that as we've come before you and we've brought these things before you, now I pray for healing in the spirit. Well, thank you, Lord. All of the bitterness. And now, God, we we all want to walk. We want to be doers of the word, Lord. We want to look on people with love, Lord. Not malice. We want to reach out and hold people. And hug and touch people as you would touch them, God. Not out of out of guile and out of out of envy. For complete healing in our spirits, Lord. And Lord, we pray for healing in our land and of our soul, God. Our emotions, our mind, the damage that was done from the world, from the from the from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Pray for healing in the land and pray for a fresh anointing of water pouring out upon our souls. Pray that the hard rocks be broken up inside of all of our hearts here, Lord. So the Artesian well can be flooding our land with your goodness. I pray for anybody here who may have any kind of pain, that it would be just washed away right now. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.